0: I'm on a mission to stir up and kindle afresh the subject of hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Everybody say hope. Hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. This is the hallmark verse for St. Louis Family Church. And look at this, it starts out with a declaration of God's character, of God's aspect of his personality. Look, it says, and now, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. Let's just stay fixed on that for a second. He's called the God of hope. Why would a preacher like me, week in and week out, generate hopefulness? Is it some sort of a motivational speech? Is it a cliche? Is it the bias of my personality? Am I trying to just do attaboys? None of us want cliches none of us want anything unbiblical it is in fact very biblical to carry hope through the course of your earthly life because in fact it says in 1 corinthians chapter 13 verse 13 these three actually abide faith hope and love now we know the greatest is love so we must walk in love ephesians 5:2. as beloved children we must imitate god as dear children and walk in love we know that. And 2 Corinthians 5.7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. So we're supposed to walk in love. We're supposed to walk by faith. But do you know we're supposed to be prisoners of hope, walking in hope, generating hope, so that it will seep into our lives and bring us out of our own personal discouragements, our own limitations, and our own struggles and upsets. Uh, the other day, uh, Pastor Patsy, as Mimi, as Grandma, bought this little package, this little spherical thing for the grandbaby. And then of course, Papa, Papa Jay has to open up the package. First of all, it's all shrink wrapped and you, you, it's, there's more packaging than there is toy. But anyway, I kept peeling, peeling, peeling and the grandbaby's anticipation mounted and mounted and mounted. I kept peeling, peeling, peeling. And then I opened it up again and it's like, there's another layer. And my son said, her, her dad said, yeah, this is part of it. It's like, well, this is torture for the grandpa. But then finally you get the, and so then she said, it up, Papa Jay. And I want to show you in this verse, this verse, this is the, the opening up of it. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you, look, here's the prize. You will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will abound in hope. And those of us that have lapsed into discouragement understand how wonderful it is to have the person of the Holy Spirit as our helper to help us out of the confusion and help us out of the blockages, help us out of our own mi- limited mindsets, help us out of our discouragements and struggles and fears. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And you know, he's married to the backslider and he saves those who are crushed in spirit and a smoldering wick he will not put out, a bruised reed he'll not throw aside. He's abidingly faithful. He's abidingly present. And he says, now may the God, and this is These are famous last words from the Apostle Paul to the Roman Empire, to the church in Rome. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the non-Jew. He said, for in this is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And then he goes in there in chapter 10 and he says, faith comes by hearing the word. Then he goes in there in chapter 15 in closing. He makes this great grand prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are people in this midst right now who have dealt with aggressive symptoms, alarming, concerning symptoms, and doctors and educated ones have tested and said, these are the issues you're facing. And they, with tears in their eyes, with concern in their heart, said, listen, I am not going to have that. I am trusting God and he is going to see me through. And they've had breakthrough. They've had victory. They've had success in their situation in life because the God of hope comes in on the scene and says, hey, man, be hopeful because I have decided to bear your sins and carry your diseases. And by Jesus stripes, you are healed and I will supply, I am faithful, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Say, so, man, I've failed, I've lapsed, I've sown to my flesh. Repent, that's the good news. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We who have walked with God any length of time know we can't do it in our own power. It's not by might or by power. And we're not wanting to be Pharisees or scribes or Sadducees. You know who those guys were? You know why they were called Sadducees? They're Old Testament people that were defying. They were real pious. They came, walked around in their robes. They would come in, they go, <clears throat> and they would love to see people have people see them pray and show how spiritual they were. And God doesn't want us to do the surface thing. And the reason the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> Funny preacher joke. They were melancholy. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. And in fact, there's joy and peace in believing. I'm a believer. I believe that when I pray, things happen. And you know what? I've walked with God for a while and I've lapsed into places where my prayer life waned and my word intake kind of went down and I yield to the circumstances of the moment and started murmuring and getting upset. It's just wonderful that God is so patient toward us. He's the God of hope. God doesn't diminish in his abiding viewpoint. He, in faith, said, let there be light. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God, because God is faithful. And he invites his followers to walk and stagger not at the promises of God. And in hope against hope, we believe. Listen, Romans 15:4. Paul says something interesting about all the Old Testament stories, and now for us, the entire Bible. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Look at this. So that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might be bored. We might have a lot of knowledge. We might just be in religious routine. No. We will enter into fantasy. No. We will embrace mythology. No. It's instruction about the true and living God. He said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. There are people dealing with cancer, and Jesus is greater than cancer. There are people that are dealing with alarming symptoms, numbness or tingling and things like that, and we know God who made the central nervous system is the restorer. My eyesight is getting better. I noticed, I banged my face on that boat wreck and it dislodged my vitreous and my eye was all blown out. And uh, then I hit my eye with a bullet weight while I was fishing. And it hit me in the open, unexposed eye. Not my eyelid, my eyeball. Knocked me to the ground. And who did I, what did I say? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Put my hand on my face. I carried up my poles, because I do have my priorities. I didn't want to leave my poles. And I walked back up to the house. I announced to my wife in such a peaceful way, And uh, I went into the bathroom, and I opened it. By this time, it got all cloudy. Blood was running out of my eyeball. Uh, I went to the eye doctor, and they treated it like this happens about three times a week, you know. And we've heard it all, you know. And I felt like, okay, I only feel minorly dumb. Thank you very much. And God healed my eye. But my eyesight's better. Who, gets, who bangs his face into a boat wreck and then gets hit in the eye, and, and you get better? What church has a flood, and it fertilizes us? You know the the Rombok farm. They told me, they said, you know what? After the flood, we had the best crop the next year and even the years after that because all that silt and all that rich topsoil transferred and just completely blanketed over our fields. So when we planted the melons and the and the pumpkins and the other crops, it flourished. They, in fact, they had so much they brought uh, big trucks full of of melons to bless our church with it it cultivated a relationship that we didn't even know our neighbors it opened up doors we began to instantly relate what the enemy meant for harm God turned around for good what the enemy means for harm in your case God if we'll stick around with it can turn it around for good there's some battles you've been through that you didn't pick disappointments that you lapsed into that were hurtful people that offended you that made it take a lot of time and difficult overcoming to get to but as much as it depended on you, you were at peace with all men. You resolved not to be moved by offenses, and you decided, I am by design going to press on toward the mark of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are the ranks of the redeemed. The meek shall inherit the earth. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your forbearing, patient, gentle, kind-hearted spirit be known to all men, because the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. I discovered this in my young marriage. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to get my eyes on you. God, I'm trusting you. Not just in my young marriage, my intermediate marriage and 40 years in. You, You need God in the relationships of your life. You need God looking at the finances, the outflow and the income. You that own businesses. You need the grace of God to help you to sustain you, to shine on you. Hallelujah. And we have this God of hope and that he fills us with all joy and peace and believing. I mean, whatever you're facing right now, with your ex, with your job, with your bills, with your body, listen, God does not withhold anything from those who walk uprightly. Oh, Pastor Jeff, I stumble badly. The righteous fall seven times and the Lord picks them right back up. Are you grateful for his mercies? Yes. Sorrow may last for the evening, but joy comes in the morning and God's going to bear down on your faith right now. This is my message to you. Isaiah 26.3, it says in the New American Standard in Isaiah 26.3 that he said, the steadfast of mine will be kept in perfect peace. Notice the word Steadfast be steadfast and movable always abounding in the work of the lord it denotes permanence it denotes a staying power it denotes being fixed on him i'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him it says in the king james the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace look because he trusts in you say this with me i trust in his trustworthiness i rely on his reliability I have faith in his faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness. O oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Listen, we need to stay first. Stay in the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Paul the Apostle urges his protege this young pastor whose dad was a Greek and his mother was Jewish who became a pastor who had to deal with insecurity and that's why Paul told him hey listen God's not giving you a spirit of fear or timidity but a power and love and a sound mind he told him in this verse he said fight the good fight of faith say fight the good fight man you hear this in speeches you hear this in classrooms you hear this in All kinds of settings, but this is the context, the spiritual battle. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood. We have a spiritual battle. How many of you noticed this is not just easy breezy, this life? I marvel at the body of Christ and the church, what you guys deal with, what you guys go through. It's fascinating to me. People who have been through some things, and and you're still at it. You're staying in the good fight of faith you know what I think about, I mean, I was a professional cage fighter before I got in the ministry, (laughs) but it's easy because it's so close. You could just use your fingernails, you could kick. But in Caleb's day, in Joshua and Caleb, he was 85 years old on his birthday when they were distributing the land that they had obtained by God's promise. He said, give me this mountain. So there's one thing about being a cage fighter in close proximity. There's another thing about being a mountain fighter. That's vast, that's big, it's bigger than that. And Caleb said, give me this mountain because maybe God will let me put a whipping on some giants. When I was 40 years old and the Lord gave me a word, he said, as my strength was then, so my strength is now. Boy, that really speaks to me. I think about people I've known since you're teenagers or young people and you're stepping out in faith, you're demonstrating probably some of the hardest seasons of your life, trust that God's gonna see you through. God is going to see you through. I have it on good authority from the scriptures. The way we fight the good fight is by laying hold of the eternal life. It says, look what it says in that verse. He said, fight the good fight. 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And this is something we've got to get a hold of. Fight the good fight and that you, that you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And there's something profound that helps you to fight the good fight of faith. It gets concrete into your situation. It helps you to be solidified. Maybe you might need to be a f- bit fortified right now to fight the good fight of faith. I think, I heard this definition of the good fight of faith. What is a good fight of faith? Well, it's A fight. A good fight is a fight that we ultimately will win. We'll win this fight of faith. And it is a fight. We fight. And uh, remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle. And we have authority over evil spirits. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, Though we live in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And this is a, a description of the good fight of faith. That for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but are divinely powerful through God for the destruction of fortresses. Divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. You are actually quite empowered when you're traveling on your job and you're going into a work situation and you need favor. And there are competitors bearing down on your project or there are people misunderstanding or maybe some paperwork didn't get there when you thought it should. And you could come in and say, God, I ask you for wisdom. I ask you for guidance. I ask you for help. I ask you for fortification. Look what 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 says. 2 Timothy, this is the end of Paul's life. And he's the guy that told Timothy to fight the good fight. So what he says later on in his life, fast forward, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And he says, in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, not just for Paul, the apostle. Look what it says next. He says, which the Lord, the righteous judge will reward award to me on that day. Now look at the next part in verse nine. And not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. How many of you are grateful for Bethlehem and the virgin birth and the cross and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the word of God? The Bible is our abiding guide that gives us the supernatural battle strategy to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Right in there, embedded in that verse, I finished my course. Number two, stay the course. Stay the course. The reason we had a, boat wreck is because the calibration was shifted just a little bit and we got off course that's how we crashed into a boulder stay on course all around the world I pray for the believers to have their compass needle aimed at Jesus and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and standing on the promises of God in order to stay the course he said I finished my course I've kept the faith think of the plans he has for you Look, all those things were written in earlier times were written for our instructions so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. As it says in Hebrews 11, all the people that saw the great miraculous things, Abraham and Sarah, who though the circumstances were stubborn, they outstubborned the difficulty after the proper time and all the difficulties. They had the baby Isaac and they birthed the nation. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob they, they birthed Isaac, and Isaac inevitably was going to birth a nation. So they were the father and mother of many nations. Praise the Lord. Let that get in your spirit, in your season, so as not to be disappointed. Offset all your idealism and just get over there in trust, fighting the good fight of faith. God Whatever the enemy means for harm, you're gonna turn around for good. We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. God, I cast all my cares on you because you care for me. You know the numbers of hairs on my head. You know my days. Listen, Hebrews 1 and two. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, all these David, Moses, Noah, and Joshua, and Caleb, and Paul, the apostle, and Timothy, It says in the next verse, let us lay aside all the weights, the encumbrances, the bondages, the depressions, the sorrows, the disappointments, the fractured feelings, the things that don't resolve. Lay those aside. Lay those aside. Don't let them stick to you. Don't pick them up. Lay those weights and encumbrances aside and the sin which so easily entangles us. The Puritans talked about easily besetting sins as being those things that each person was susceptible to. Some people have issues with things that others don't, and the flesh has its deal, and we've got to keep it crucified and be quick to repent, keep a good tender heart, have the fear of the Lord, stay humble, realizing his mercy is there for us, and lay those things aside and keep a good repentant heart. I heard a minister say that he thought that the definition for the easily besetting sin is the pervasive sin of discouragement. And I thought both of them are probably true. And in either case, Jesus has given us the victory over sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And he, in fact, is even our sanctification. He sets us apart, and he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So we actually can run this race to win. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, we'll not turn to it. He said, run in such a way that you may win. You prepare. Everybody say prepare. Prepare. Now, remember, these things were written in earlier times for our instruction. We're we're on a learning curve. We're life learners. How many of you are learning some things? Getting better. We're developing. We're developing. I like Walt Disney. You know, he came up with all those cartoons and did those little shorts with Mickey Mouse. And and then he did some full feature movies. And then he got a little bored. And then he, he liked train sets. And for his own personal time, his hobby, he was a hobbyist to keep his mind off his pressures. He wanted to do a little train thing, so he had this little train set with his grandkids or his kids, and it was his children, and then and some friends, and then he said, man, let's just make a park, because we go to movies, but let's play, have a place where people could go, and the city of Anaheim didn't want him to do it, because they thought it'd be a bunch of riffraff, and they thought it like old carnivals and stuff, but he had a vision for something else, and so late in his life, he developed Disneyland. And uh, my brother and I got to go every year because General Dynamics sponsored the submarine ride, and so it was General Dynamics Day once a year, so we we just all there were only the workers and families of this company and it, it was like it was just a wonderful way to grow up and be in that culture from the beginning of Disney on from the early '60s on. He started it in fifty five and uh, I like it that a guy changed something up at a season in his life, and so We're going to finish our course with joy. Stay in the word, number three. Stay in the word. John 15, 7 talks about staying in the word, staying with God, sticking to it. And the word is, it's a synonymous word with stay or with sticking to something. It's abide. It says in John chapter 15, verse 7, that if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Boy, this will give you incentive to fellowship with God. And it'll give you incentive to stay in the word. Let the word come on in. Just open up a Bible. So many times I would be in such a place emotionally. And I'll I'll sense God, hey, get your Bible and open it up and read this. And I will not want to do it. I'm going to binge watch TV, eat some chips or something, go outside and look at the stars. And and God would have me open up the book. And I would read. And my mind would glaze over. I had to start over again. And I would start to meditate and invariably, without exception, the light, that purity, the warmth, the help, the lamp to our feet will come and brighten my thinking. And I noticed right before bed, if I pack in some word, it'll linger in my thought life as I'm laying and going to sleep. I also, when I prepare messages, I'll go in and I'll look at my outline. I'll study it, even if it's late at night, even if I'm exhausted. And I know that if I get that, I'll do a better job of giving it. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you by my Father who's in heaven. Bold faith gets strengthened in your heart. You're not just a cage fighter. You're fighting the good fight of faith. You're not even just a mountaineer. You're not just a craggy mountaineer. You have enough sufficiency in you to win in the battles of life. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Fourth, stay prayerful. Stay prayerful. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's Philippians chapter 4. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, let's read this out loud. Pray without ceasing. This is it Luke 18:1? That says, Men ought always to pray and not faint. Some of you guys have been through some stuff that was designed to take you out. Some of it I know, some of it I don't know. People quarantined, people that lost a loved one, people whose relationships suffered, disappointment, rejection, all that kind of addiction, all that kind of disappointment. But yet, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will not be disappointed. So we pray without ceasing, we offer up a sacrifice of praise, number five. Never stop praising and worshiping. The Bible says in Philippians 4.4, to rejoice in the Lord always. So we rejoice when things are great. When I had the boating accident and the two friends were unconscious, I stood and I began to minister to the Lord. I began to rebuke the devil. I prayed. I exerted the fight of faith and I praised and I did not feel like it. My ribs were broken. I was, I was moaning every time I moved I, uncontrollably. And I, almost, I passed out twice. I fell down the stairs and hurt myself again. Got back up. The Lord was there with me. And one guy said, do that. I, keep doing that. Keep doing that. So I'm basically saying to you, keep doing that. Keep on believing God. Stay prayerful. Stay worshipful. Last point, stay in fellowship. Consistency in any endeavor causes success. Music lessons, you become proficient. Practice makes perfect. I've seen people that... They've told me I was 100 pounds overweight, I've worked out, I've, you know, and their musculature has improved. I've watched people come from weakness to strength by the power of the grace and the mercy of God. And let me just tell you, a guest columnist in the New York Times a few years ago wrote an op-ed, April 20th, 2013. T.M. Lurman, she said, one of the most striking scientific discoveries about religion in recent years is that going to church weekly is good for you. She wrote this down, she said verified science. She said it boosts the immune system and decreases blood pressure. It may add as much as two to three years to your lifespan, scientifically. This is an anthropologist, by the way. The the reason for this, says the author, is not entirely clear. She said social support is no doubt part of the story Uh, At the evangelical churches I've studied as an anthropologist, people really did seem to look out for one another. Well, he said, where two or more are gathered, there I am in their midst. Staying in the word, being a person of prayer, fellowshipping with God, being a worshiper. Thank you, Jesus.